0: Welcome to episode six of Sporting News Kangaroo Court College Hoops podcast. Alongside college basketball editor, Cammy Mattioli, I am Troy Macker. The podcast you're listening to is available on iTunes and Stitcher now, so be sure to subscribe. Uh, We have a really fun episode today. We're going to be debating whether or not the hype around the craziness of this season is warranted and just how insane the NCAA tournament is going to be this year. After that, we're going to hand out some superlatives because high school was fun and cool. So, yeah.
1: For who? (laughs)
0: If if you got an award, which I don't believe either of us did. Nope. Uh, So we're going to get in that uh, in a few. But first, uh, the season's been crazy, right? That's what we hear on TV. That's what we hear on the radio. And that's what we read on the interwebs. But has it actually been as crazy as everyone says? I don't think so. I think it's been unexpected. But now in mid-February, we're starting to realize on a weekly basis Top 25 teams are going to lose. Top 10 teams are going to lose. So the allure, the mystique of bad teams beating good teams has kind of worn off, right?
1: I think so. I think to understand this, it depends on what numbers you value. If you are putting a lot of weight into the AP Top 25 poll, which I think traditionally a lot of people do, and you see that number 10 knocks off number one, that seems like a big deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, in every other season, that's a big deal, but... The issue is that this year, I don't think one through 25, there's a huge difference. Like last year, Kentucky was far and away the number one for most of the season. And so anytime somebody, I mean, obviously it didn't happen, but anytime somebody came close to knocking off Kentucky, it was a huge deal because they were so far and away better than number two. Now I think anyone in the top 10 legitimately has a chance to win it all and everybody is flawed. So I don't know that that matters as much and we're still assigning the same amount of weight to it.
0: Yep. And I think a lot of when, when people talk about craziness or insanity is how games are won. And certainly we've seen some crazy comebacks. Iowa State being down 17 at I- against Iowa and at the half and rallying back to win was insane. The way Duke beat North Carolina, rallying back from nine down with four minutes to go.
1: And but- only five players. Yeah,
0: exactly. And so there have been some great finishes and there have been some really good games. I mean, the Oklahoma-Kansas game is one of the best games I've seen in the last decade. And so it's not that this season hasn't been good because the quality of the teams and the quality of the players would lead you to believe that this isn't a good season. I know a couple of years ago, people bemoaned the season because there weren't a lot of good players for as okay as the players are this year. I think it's been a very good year, but it hasn't been crazy that there haven't been that many like upsets. I mean, not upsets, but like shocking turn of events. Northern Iowa beat UNC so early that, it, again...
1: And they did it without Marcus Page, too. Yeah, so it, that was a big asterisk on that. I think that's the problem, is a lot of these these games are asterisk games where some player is injured, like Denzel, Denzel Valentine was out for four or five games earlier this season, and Michigan State had a tough run there. Um, so I don't, you know, I, I don't know that that's necessarily true. I don't know that it's necessarily not true. I mean, if we want to throw some numbers out there, at this point in 2015 there were 23 top 10 losses, okay? Now, in 2016, there's 46. So it's doubled. But that's not to say that it's more crazy. Maybe that's an indictment on the fact that the teams just aren't as good and they're able to beat up on each other more.
0: Yeah, and if you look at the the Big 12, you know, Iowa State's lost six games in conference. Does that mean they're bad? No, that just means the entire Big 12 is better. Texas Tech, who is a losing record in conference, has beat, I believe they beat Kansas or uh, Oklahoma. So – if you look at the, the bad teams and conferences like the ACC and the SEC and the Big Ten with Rutgers and Minnesota being the exception because they're garbage. Well,
1: Boston College is probably an exception too. Yes,
0: yes that's another one. But So if you eliminate the, the worst team, if you look at last year in the ACC, Clemson, Wake Forest, and Virginia Tech and Boston College were all terrible. Mm-hmm. This year it's really only Boston College. So the, the top teams are good. They're not great. But the bad teams are better, which means there's more – Parody, I guess, and I hate using that word because we use it every year. So
1: overused this year. (laughs) Yeah,
0: and it's like, of course, there's parody. There's 400 teams. People are gonna lose, but it. For me, it comes down to is that the shocking turn of events hasn't been there. We've seen no absolute stunners where, or maybe we've seen too many that it's lost its luster. So I guess going forward, because of all this, you know. Even the experts can't predict what's going to happen because teams lose all the time.
1: Do you think we could call Miss Cleo and expense it as part of our news gathering process?
0: I think Miss Cleo's in jail.
1: Is she still in jail?
0: I think so. Oh,
1: that's disappointing. It's been,
0: oh man, it's been like a hot minute. Remember
1: when her commercials used to be on TV all the time? Like you stayed home from school and you were sick and you watched The Price is Right and Miss Cleo was like every third commercial. Yeah,
0: Miss Cleo was a huge deal. But what, what was that, like 2002, 2003? It was
1: a long time ago. At least 10 years. And
0: so she went to jail for like tax evasion or something really weird. Or maybe just lying because she was a psychic or said you she was know a psychic. She was lying. Um she lying. But so everyone, you hear it on the radio, this is going to be a crazy March because of the way the season's played out. Is it really? We almost know what's going to happen. I mean, there are always upsets in March, and we know this, and they're still shocking. Um, UAB beating Baylor and Georgia State being Iowa State. Switch those around. UAB, (laughs) uh, UAB beating Iowa State and Georgia State beating Baylor. Right. I don't think anyone predicted that, so it was stunning, but we've seen so many upsets this year that, like, if a... 14 beats a, a three. The 14 is probably closer to the three than in years past, and we've seen so many. We've seen Monmouth beat good teams already. So is it really going to be that much a surprise? Like, is March actually going to be this crazy?
1: Well, to put some historical context into that, what you just said about the upsets. So the only year so far that there have been two 15-2 upsets was 2012, and that was actually the sec the year that had the second most. AP top 10 losses at this point in the season with 37. But if you'll remember, obviously the final four in that year, Kentucky, Kansas, Louisville, Ohio State, probably the four most deserving teams that year of being in the final four. So even though the first couple rounds were nuts, you had your blue bloods pretty much in the, in the final four. Um, and that was actually the, the first time in history that four teams from one state Made the Sweet 16, and that was the four Ohio teams. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll see that again this year. I, I don't I don't know, I don't even know who it would be. I don't think Ohio is poised to do that. Obviously, not without Ohio State being um, capable of making the tournament. But I mean, it, it that seems like that seems pretty crazy, right? Two the, the same two 15 and two teams in the same year um, with upsets, and then you go on to the Final Four, which is a relatively normal result. So. Yeah. You know, I think there's always this expectation that the opening rounds are going to be crazy. And no, we've never seen a 16-1 upset yet. I don't know that this is the year that we will, but you know, I feel like we say this every year and say, "Well, this could be the year. This could be the year." I mean, maybe it really could because your one seeds have all lost mm-hmm. to teams that were not that great.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I think for that to happen, the 16 seeds would have to be the far and away best teams in their conference and they're really bad conference to win because what happens a lot of time is, is it's the sixth or seventh best team from the 29th best conference, as opposed to the first best team from the 31st best conference. Um, And, you know, conference tournament season is almost more unpredictable than uh, the NCAA tournament, just because you get championship finals. That is the seven seed versus the eight seed. But it's interesting just talking about the tournament because we want chaos and we want madness, but at the same time, we want a Final Four of 1s, 2s, 3s, 4s, maybe a 5 if they were underseeded. Like you mentioned, that year I was at that Final Four and it was awesome. I mean, you got Kentucky-Louisville in one Final Four and then Kansas-Ohio State in another one. They were both great games, and then the Finals you had the, the Morris Twins and uh, Tyshawn Taylor and uh thomas robinson versus that kentucky team with terrence jones michael k gilchrist and anthony davis and if you look at the year before the 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 tournament was just as crazy that byu florida game is one of the best tournament games i've ever seen and you had a final four of kentucky yukon vcu and butler and butler and vcu were 10 and 11 teams and yukon was an eight and kentucky was a four and the championship game was UConn and Butler, and forget the fact that it was just the worst championship game ever where the teams combined to shoot 30%. It just, people didn't care about it because it wasn't the teams, forget the brackets, it wasn't the teams that they wanted to see. You hear people say all the time, like, we want, even for your your bracket advice, pick the crazy stuff to happen early, right? And then maybe put like one 10, 11, 12 seed into the Sweet 16 because that always happens if it's Dayton, Stanford. Uh, LaSalle a couple years ago, VCU, Wichita State. But you want to play safe going into the Final Four. And I think as fans, we want that as well because we want Duke, Wisconsin, Kentucky, and Florida. Uh, We don't want, you know, Dayton... And Syracuse, Miami, and Indiana. I think an aspect
1: of what goes into that that makes it exciting for people are the number of people that are excited about it. It's sort of like Mm -hmm. it's sort of viral in a sense. Like if the person sitting next to you is really excited about Kansas being in the Final Four, then all of a sudden it's like, well, people are really talking about this. It must be exciting, and then you start to think about it, and then maybe you get excited and pass it on to the person next to you. I mean, that's pretty much not going to happen with the VCU because Mm -hmm. most people. I mean, despite the fact that they've had a lot of tournament success. Um, Most college basketball – or most people who tune into college basketball just in March don't know much about VCU. They don't know much about what it takes for that team to get there. So they do want to be excited about a Kentucky or a Kansas or a Florida or a um, Michigan or Michigan State because they've heard those names before. There's a a brand awareness to that. And I think that's why – I mean, to use an example from last year, when Kentucky lost, Indianapolis just cleared out. I mean, there were – the, the very first day that I got there, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing, like, a dozen Kentucky fans. Of course. The day after they lost, none. It, there was nobody around. There was nobody in that city. It was like a ghost town.
0: Yeah, and Wisconsin had the player of the year in Frank Kaminsky. Right. Wisconsin's got a good fan base, not that far from Indianapolis. I've made the drive. It's like four hours, or maybe five hours, and uh, it's still Duke. And that was a great game, but it is the... It's very interesting you mentioned that because, like, so even the Blue Bloods, yeah, the North Carolinas, Kansas, UCLA's, Kentucky's, whatever, but also the teams with the players that we've heard about. So, like, Oklahoma, certainly not a traditional Blue Blood. Everyone knows who Buddy Heald is. So if Oklahoma makes it, it might as well be a Blue Blood because of the – magnitude. Well,
1: Oklahoma is a big football brand too. Yes. So you see you see Oklahoma and you think maybe you think football first of all. So you're like, "Oh, that's a team I recognize" yeah. cuz of because of their football prowess. So in, in a way that actually does help.
0: I guess. But I just because of it's impossible for any casual fan to watch college hoops sporadically in the winter and then pick up in January and February to not know who Buddy heal is, especially after the performance against Kansas he dropped 40 in another game uh, and he puts up 30 Pretty much on the regular so that that helps but like a team like miami there is no identity for the common fan other than their football team their football team hasn't been good in years
1: I mean, so jim is probably a hall of fame coach and people come yeah. pick him out they're like oh is that jim bayheim
0: yeah just the old <laughs> no. guy and then when you when you finally realize and miami's a good team they got destroyed by uh, unc but they're i still think like that's the thing this year there are 25 teams that can make the final four i think miami one of them and if they made it, it would register zero movement. And they're a quality team that could make the Final Four. So it is very much the, like, if Miami, Indiana, uh, Xavier, and Villanova make the Final Four, those are all very good teams. So I think if you saw that Final Four, pundits would be like, no, I don't think it's terribly but surprising. But in the
1: interest in that is regional. And that's yes. not just on a TV scale. I mean, obviously TV is what drives the, the tournament, and that's what makes – people want to watch Mm -hmm. so i mean obviously the tv execs want the programs with the most amount of followers and the most influential people watching but you know the fact is that those those teams are all regional i mean there's people in i mean people will hate watch people in connecticut will hate watch villanova um but outside of the philadelphia area is there like interest for people in california to watch villanova not really
0: no see that's the thing like again oklahoma because it is a brand in football enough people know it and because enough people know of but he healed. There'd be more likely to watch Oklahoma, a team that is not revered as much as Villanova, who's the number one team in the country. But that being said, Oklahoma was the number one team in the country. Like, the number one next year name doesn't mean as much this year. Well,
1: there's ha- there have been six changes in the number one this year. And I think the all-time record is seven in one season, which, I mean, theoretically, we still have mm-hmm. three or four weeks left. Yeah. Well, three, I guess, to actually get there. So... That we could be having a record-tying number of number one seeds. And that's kind of cra- – I mean, that's that's crazy to me. But, again, it goes back to this idea that none of these teams are really that good. And it's not that they're – I guess maybe it's not that they're not really that good, but that every team has a fatal flaw. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. you know, the more that these teams beat up on each other in conference, especially in conferences like the ACC and the Big 12, which are – Um, pretty good top to bottom those weaknesses are exposed and so that's why I think we're seeing a lot of this um, these like seven loss Mm -hmm. double digit loss teams that could actually be in the tournament
0: yeah and you know I I think that um, when you look at teams like that that they're just it's so interesting because like any year we say well there's 10 to 15 teams that could win it and that that is the case this year, there's like 25. I just think it's kind of silly, and not not in a bad way, but again, like, there are good teams, but there's no transcendent talent, and I think when you have transcendent... You love t- to use that phrase. I do. I, I should
1: just keep, like, hash marks of how many times you use it. I, I use it all the time,
0: but I think it's true. <laughs> and, okay, yes, there is one transcendent talent. It's ben Simmons, probably not going to make the tournament, um, but when you look at Kentucky teams or even Kansas teams in the past, they've had just multiple high-end lottery picks and when things go awry or when it's just five guys versus five guys the talent typically plays out now the other thing that can play out is experience well if you look up and down a lot of these rosters it's loaded with experience there's not just one team that's senior laden there's like 30 teams that I think that has a lot to do with it is the fact that there's so many senior teams and not that much transcendent talent
1: but that being said too there aren't very many teams this season who are that good one through five I think most teams have two or three good players but then they have uh, one or two players whose glaring weaknesses they may be a starter but they're not great mm-hmm. and so that's kind of the issue that we're running into when one of these really good players like Denzel Valentine is hurt your other option is not great yeah so I mean last year Not to keep using Kentucky, but last year Kentucky was good 1 through 5.
0: They were good 1 through 12.
1: Right, and so we don't have a team like that this this season. I
0: I think when you look at teams that are good 1 through 5, North Carolina, their flaw, shooting and half-court offense, Maryland, awesome 1 through 5. I I think
1: they're, they're, to go back to UNC, I think they're like 1 through 4.5 because you need Marcus Page to be Marcus Page, and he hasn't been very Marcus Page through certain stretches of the season. Yeah, he's been
0: better than – most starters, but you're right. He has not been the multi time preseason All American. But Maryland, the same, but they start slow. Again, like you said earlier, every team has a fatal flaw. I think Arizona's got a good starting five, but, you know, Michigan State, they're carried by the player of the year candidate, right. probably number two, um, you know, in Denzel Valley.
1: I think you could say the same about Oklahoma, too. They're carried by Buddy Heald. I mean, they have
0: better surrounding, I think, Brian Spangler and uh, Isaiah Cousins, I think. Um, well,
1: I think I think Ryan Spangler is also the asterisk, too. He, I think many people expected him to be better than mm-hmm. he was. He's playing a lot of the season injured, um, at least for the Kansas game, I remember. He was injured and then a couple games after that. So, you know, I think that's, that's a problem with this season is there's too many things you can put an asterisk on because either somebody's hurt or somebody's out or, you know... it's it's just there's nothing that's straightforward
0: yeah and there haven't been like a lot of season ending injuries but a lot of four to eight week injuries Mm -hmm. where now as a committee how do you evaluate that team a team like Michigan State that went two or three weeks without Denzel Valentine and did not play well and then struggled to get back to form afterwards there have been numerous cases like that so but I I think the good thing about this year uh, is that I don't think a lot of people are gonna put I mean, we're already talking about bracketology and it changes on a nightly basis because there are losses on a nightly basis. But I trying to peg a team four seed, five seed, six seed, whatever is gonna be so impossible. And I still and I think with the bubble and the first out or first four out, first four in, it's gonna be a crapshoot because they're Well, it always is. Yeah, but more part. there's usually two or three teams like SMU, the year they were ranked in the top twenty five and didn't get in. I don't think we're gonna be anywhere close to that because there's gonna be thirty teams that if they didn't make it you had ample opportunity to you didn't and so the next the team with a slightly better resume like there's no there won't be one glaring reason why they're in or not there's gonna be so many teams waiting in line well
1: the problem is all the bubble teams are beating up on the bubble teams yeah. so, like you look at the a10 you've got st bonnie's you've got vcu you've got st joe's and all three of those teams are beating up on each other in conference and so by doing that they're hurting each other's chances to be on the bubble and it's sort of like At the same time, they're also diminishing the value of those wins when they beat up on each other. So it's sort of like a never-ending cycle. You can't really win in that situation if you're beating up on each other in conference Mm -hmm. because not only does it make your loss bad, but it also makes your win not as good. So... I mean, that's a situation that we see in a lot of these bubble teams right now, and not just in the A-10, but that was the example that I think best represents because all three of those teams are teams that are probably still in the discussion but can't really do themselves any favors unless they win the conference tournament.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, you know, it's certainly you'll be able to point at the uh, Wichita States if they don't win the, their conference championship, and Gonzaga if they don't win their conference ch- championship. But the teams from the power conferences and then the A-10 and the AAC will certainly be where you may get your most debate and discussion, like a Cincinnati who's been coming on strong. But I just don't think the fervor will be there because there's been so much like, hey, man, a lot of the teams you played are not that great. You you could have beaten them and you should have beaten them. So it it's kind of on you if you don't. So I think, if anything, conference tournament week will be more crazy than the tournament. And I still think the tournament's going to be good. Like, But I just don't think it's going to be like this insane level of madness that we expect just because top 25 teams are losing we've seen it happen so won't it kind of be expected I guess that's like my my final thought is like sure it will be insane but hasn't if it's insane then hasn't it been insane the entire year
1: yeah I think we're looking at it uh too much based on numbers and statistics and not to use the favored term, the eye test, um, of course. I think we're kind of jaded by thinking that the AP top 25 is the godliest metric out there and and values, you know, the top values, number 10, nine spots less than number one, when in reality, they may actually be a lot closer than, than those numbers indicate. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. And I hope, like we said, we can get a final four with the Blue Bud programs, because that's what people want to see that's what I want to see I would love to see you know a a mid-major team in the Elite Eight but I think my interest kind of wanes after that
0: yeah yeah absolutely all right so we've been talking about kind of not the negativity but that teams aren't as good and that maybe it won't be as crazy as we expect so let's talk about some something good or something fun and that's superlatives the season's almost over and we have three weeks left but it's gone by so quickly and a 70, 80% of the season's gone by. So we decided to hand it out some awards as if, you know, this is the year of the senior, they say, they've told us. So we're going to hand out some senior superlatives, not just to seniors, to anyone in college basketball. Uh, So let's go through this list and see what we got.
1: All right. So I'm going to start off with a softball for you, Troy. Um, Mr. Congeniality. Who is your pick for Mr. Congeniality? And that would be to say the friendliest, most either media-friendly, TV-friendly, the most personable guy?
0: Hmm. This was a softball? This um, was a
1: softball. I think, in my mind, there's only one person you can pick for this. Is it Nigel Hayes? Okay, maybe there's two people you <laughs> can pick for this.
0: He, so, he speaks his mind, but he's he's a very affable young man. He's a really nice guy. Uh, and I think, yes, we're in the media, and we like when people are nice to us, and we like players who are friendly because it makes our jobs easier and more fun. Uh, you know, like what, guys with Doug McDermott because he was just so personable and like was very casual with the press. So we we do like we, do we play favoritism? I like, guess I don't know. But if I had to this year, I'm probably forgetting someone, but I'd go Nigel Hayes, Wisconsin.
1: I think he's a better fit for our next category, but I I could see this one. Um, I'm gonna go with Buddy Healed because I like. Yep. He's the type of player who I just, like, I want to go give him a hug because yep. he's just so – I don't even know how to explain it. He's so bubbly. He's always happy. Nothing can get him down, and he just seems like the per- type of person when he walks into the arena, just everybody likes him. Yeah. I've never heard anybody say something negative about Buddy Hill
0: I think he uh, has earned everyone's respect by what he's done on the court, but also if you saw after the Kansas game, all the Kansas players went over to him and shook his hand and, and thanked him, and, and then, you know – it's cool, like when players before the game they go down the row and shake everyone's hand. And again, it's like maybe it's a We did a me-
1: podcast on this, by the way, week one. We did? Yeah, the handshake line. Oh,
0: the handshake line. No, but not other players, but like the T V announcer and the scorekeepers. And you see it at, at you know I know like Quinn Cook always did it at Duke. And it's kinda cool. Like it doesn't mean anything. Uh like what it's funny, when I used to coach, nowadays parents like force their kids to shake your hand after every practice and every game and when I grew up, it was you only really did it at the end of the season. And mm-hmm. so when a kid shakes your hand after every practice, it's just like, all right, whatever. Like, you're doing this because you're being told. But I think when he did it, you know, he was like, he shook like Dick Vitale's hand. And like people were like, oh my God, what a nice kid he is. So I, I, I yes, I, Buddy Healed is a, an appropriate answer for that.
1: I have another uh, – well, not a sleeper, but another one that should be in consideration for that, but who's going to be in another category later. So I don't know if you want me to say it, it now. Yeah. All right, I'm going to pocket that one. You'll know which one it is when we get to it.
0: I probably will.
1: All right. Um, so you said Nigel Hayes for Mr. Congeniality. I think, to me, he's a little bit more of a class clown. I, I, I don't know who else you would pick to be the class clown but Nigel Hayes. He trolled a stenographer for the entire postseason last year. And people loved it. And he's also got this really deadpan humor where you can never really tell if he's being sarcastic, he's being serious, but he's almost always being sarcastic. I mean, he had that rant about the Under Armour basketballs Mm -hmm. and and the NCAA and how, you know, this is all about the student-athletes, and it was so sarcastic. And as someone who's very sarcastic and acerbic like that, it just made my heart sing.
0: Class clown. Hmm. Um, yeah, you know, that's a really good one. I'm trying like to think said, if there's I any, like, f- practical jokers. I feel like, uh, like... Man, like oh,
1: well, I have one. I have another one. Uh, Kennedy Meeks. Okay. I could... He's, he's always pranking somebody, he joking seems like with a goofball. somebody. He's yeah. kind of goofy.
0: Yeah. Um, who's... Ah, uh, I just... uh. I have no idea. This is just based on, like, off what I... Perhaps is a like Matt Costello from... Michigan State. I don't know. He, like, he just seems like a goofball and, like... He's the one that hugged uh, yeah, Tom Izzo, Bear yeah. hugged him. Okay. Um,
1: I couldn't remember. I, I thought it was him, but I couldn't remember. But this
0: brings up, like, we've struggled on Class Clown and, and Mr. Congeniality. Like, it brings up, a good point. There, are, there aren't there are as many characters this year. They may be because we...
1: Is that why we ha- most people had to manufacture Grayson Allen as the villain? I
0: get... Well, you know... It, it, I just, you, I just don't you, see that. If you, uh, get a little bit more physical than you should, if you happen to have a fair complexion and you're, <laughs> uh, pretty good and play for Duke, that, that tag seems to to come pretty easy. Uh, but it, it it's interesting because years past, like Kaminsky was, you know, hands down Class would win clown. multiple awards. Yeah. Um, and there's just, it doesn't seem like there are as many, but, uh, you know, standout characters this year. I could be completely wrong, but, uh, it is an interesting point that I didn't really think about until now. So, yeah, I'll go, go Nigel Hayes again.
1: You can't pick him yes, multiple times. you can. Things. That makes him like the guy in high school that I wanted to hate because he kept winning stuff all the time. Oh, but you,
0: I mean, you know, I don't think anyone ever got more than two or three, but there were certainly. And you were always like, God, that, that person's such an overachiever. Yeah. I don't want to be that person. But, hey, good for him. Good for him. Good for you, Nigel Hayes.
1: Okay. Good for you, Nigel Hayes. All right, let's do – this one will be a softball for you, Troy. I'm going to set you up for this one, all right, since we were just talking about villainized Duke players. Who do you think is most likely to run for president and win? Ted
0: Cruz. Grayson Allen. <laughs> it's got to be. It, it has to be. I mean, I, I'm sure that there are uh, other uh, players who may have
1: – But none is close. No,
0: that may have desire to get into politics, um, you know, people who are – poli-sci majors or government majors or whatever, but Grayson Allen is basically Ted Cruz's son. I know nothing of Ted Cruz, but he looks just like him. It's it's like don't even give me another candidate. It's
1: that is I mean there's I don't even have a rebuttal to that. That's far and away. And shout out to Chris Stone, who was the one who suggested that we actually use that because I mean. It's really good. No, it's yeah, also, It's also not a stretch in high school superlative year. No, absolutely. Things.
0: Like most likely to be a politician. Yeah. No, that definitely. That and it definitely was always exists. that
1: kid that you really like. Were okay. This kid's really annoying. He would yeah. always raise his hand in class when you're trying to leave. Oh. The worst. And
0: again, Grace. Like it's easy to hate politicians, as we just discussed. Kind of easy to gr- hate Grace and Allen. So. Well, I guess. Whether it, it's deserved it or not.
1: All right. So. Because politics is sort of like reality TV, thank you, Donald Trump, who do you think is the most likely to be a reality TV star?
0: Oh, man.
1: This is difficult for me. I actually don't have one written down for this, so yeah, but, I'm interested to hear your argument.
0: But you watch reality TV.
1: I do watch reality TV. I'm not going to tell you what shows I watch because the I Bachelor. don't want you all to judge me.
0: The Bachelor, because you live blogging on That's, not even, that's my... not
1: even the worst one that I watch, though. Uh, I don't want ext- to talk about extreme
0: it. Extreme Hoarders?
1: Extreme couponers. Whatever. Extreme hoarders is just depressing. Like I just feel bad for those people and it just makes me it should make me feel good about my life because I'm not an extreme hoarder, but it just makes me feel really depressed for those people. I can't can't do that one. But anyway, most likely to be on reality TV.
0: Okay, this is this might be a stretch. Um let's go just hear me out on this. Bryce Alford. Okay. Okay, so is in UCLA. Uh, in California, uh, so I'm thinking, you know, son of a, a famous coach and a famous basketball player out in L.A. Uh, ends up dating some starlet or some person who is on reality TV. I don't think he, he, he will himself be the star of a reality TV show, but he will then become involved in one, even if, like, later in life, he's the husband on Real Housewives of so-and-so. And you're like, wait, did that guy, like play for ucla when they beat kentucky like 15 years ago i could totally see him in like 15 years later oh and this guy so-and-so's husband used to play basketball at ucla and and the next generation of kids will have to google him and figure out who the heck this guy was so that's it's a little bit of a stretch but i i think i'm going that route
1: I'm taking a different direction, and I'm kind of going to word mine a little bit differently. The person I would most like to see on mm-hmm. reality TV, who I would 100% tune in to watch every week on the dot, would be Tom Green. Because I think he is the most expressive coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and That's a really good one. He, There's just so many people who would hate watch that. Um, so many people who would be interested to know what he's like in person. I mean, I know... There was a big story about how um, this off season kind of affected his family, and a professor called out his daughter in class. And I just feel like he gets himself in such unique situations that I would be interested to see what's going on in the life of Tom Crean outside of basketball.
0: And he's married to Jim and John Harbaugh's sister, so you can get Jim Harbaugh in a couple episodes. <laughs> you can get Mark
1: Gottfried in there too. Yeah, at NC State. Why? Because he knows Tom Green. Does he? And, oh. like, the, they're related somehow. Oh, I, I like, have no idea. I, I don't remember which Harbaugh, blah, 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 but I know they're related
0: somehow. Yeah, I I think, and if you ask Indiana fans, well, maybe not now, but two months ago, they would say he'd be out of a job pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if you're looking for uh, a new reality show. That
1: is compelling TV. You go from almost unemployed to maybe a coach of the year dark horse candidate. Yeah,
0: at the very least, you get yourself a, a show something some sort of house hunters or
1: and on the ticker on the bottom you could have the buyout just scrolling through since people love to talk about tom crean's buyout it could just be scrolling through at the bottom of every episode
0: now if 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 we're talking in past seasons i think there's one i mean we could pick many but there's one recently that would just be the best reality tv show ever and it's marshall henderson
1: Carl Towns no
0: no 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 well okay
1: they're different levels Marshall but... <laughs> Henderson's would be an absolute
0: tire fire I don't
1: know if I could watch Marshall it would Henderson's.
0: be incredible I, I don't even watch reality TV I watch every episode
1: that would be like NC-17 I don't think you could show that on cable Netflix HBO
0: yeah let's do it
1: okay that's a good one that's tough to top um, something similar although not quite the same thing who is this year's drama queen slash king I have an early nominee, just based on recent events, and that would be Ohio State's Jay Sean Tate. Who yeah, slapped the floor and then got blown by by a defender, and now he might be injured and out for the season. I mean, those that's an unfortunate circumstance yeah. of events, but don't slap the floor. Just no. don't, just don't do it. That's like a drama queen move.
0: It it is.
1: Call attention to yourself, and then you get blown by by a defender. I just, I'm sure he wishes he could take that one back. And if I were him, I would don't blame him. But I just think that that was such a drama queen move.
0: Oh, man. And also,
1: I couldn't think of anybody else that could be on here, so <laughs> that one was kind of a throwaway.
0: Um. God, I don't want to do this because I j- already mentioned him. Grayson Allen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, he gets elbowed, technical foul. Whether or not he like hip tossed the guy against Indiana, whether or not he did something. Against uh, Louisville, you could do it. You could do Mike Shousefsky if you wanted to. He he's gotten pretty uh pretty diva-ish after some games.
1: But like, I mean, he's kind of earned that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. That gosh, that is a tough one.
1: I I think when you we say drama queen, it's sort of like a uh, a negative thing in that you haven't earned the right to or someone act who just complains like a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess that's the way you could take it too. So I don't think Coach K would fit that.
0: Um, this would apply for last year but he's still playing Adam Woodbury from Iowa he's poking dudes in the eyes oh, and everyone that. hated him
1: I think he was just a jerk though yeah. I don't know if that's a drama queen that's just a
0: jerk <laughs> I don't know if that's a superlative <laughs> biggest jerk I if that was an award I'm pretty confident I would have won it in high school
1: I'm pretty confident you are the reigning champion of it still too
0: we have workplace superlatives and <laughs> it's right next to the employee of the month it's just biggest jerk Troy <laughs>
1: Undisputed champ. All right, let's 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 take it in a different direction now. This is a multiple-person award. Who is the best couple? And you can take that however you wish.
0: I personally am going to go Chris Dunn and Ben Bentel. Uh, Chris Dunn, one of the best guards, probably the best lead guard in the country, top five draft pick. We knew what he was coming into the year, and he's played just as well. Ben Bentel, a big man. Uh, is probably the most improved player of the year. Uh, he's dropped forty in the game, and is you know Providence has been scuffling of late. But he is, I think they have the best inside outside combo in the country. So you know it, it's sometimes you go player coach or backcourt. I'm gonna go uh, a little big here and say Providence is Chris Dunn and Ben Bentle.
1: I have two for this one, and they're they're totally different. Um, I would say Tyler Eulis and Jamal Murray at mm-hmm. Kentucky as backcourt, and by frontcourt. I mean, there's a lot of good front court players, and then there's a lot of other front court players. There's not really a combination that's great. So I think the best combination that I could think of was A.J. Hammonds and Caleb Swanigan at Purdue, and they're not even great. But they're both respectable players in their own right. I just don't – I think it's difficult to pick a front court that has two really good players this season. Yeah,
0: and, I mean, that's not even to mention Isaac Haas, who's really good, but, um, you know, it's difficult for all three of them to be on the floor at the same time. Um, and that gets weird if we're doing three people. <laughs> a couple. I don't. I don't know if a, if a high school would be okay with that.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> um, all right. Let's see. Let's let's take another different direction. Um, most likely to succeed.
0: I think it has to be Ben Simmons, right? Um, can't miss prospect. Uh, even though he's not succeeding right now. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. He's kind of
1: a yeah, mo- mo- most
0: most likely that's uh future tense. Right. I th- I really am high on Jamal Murray. I think while his defense his one-on-one defense is not great, I think he's the most pro ready because of his experience in international play and his body uh, He's physically fit and can uh, can can go against guys in the NBA. Um so I would lean towards him. And plus, Kentucky, you know, you get the experience you need to, to play uh, high level in the NBA. So I'm going to go Jamal Murray, even though I think you could say Ben Simmons.
1: I'm not going to say either of those two. Okay. I'm going to say Brandon Ingram, because most likely to succeed in my projections is not going to be next year or the year after. Mm-hmm. But in the long term, I think if he lands with a team that is going to be patient with him, he could be the best pick out of the 2016 draft. Now, again, it depends on what a team is looking for. If a team is looking for someone to come in right away and be a factor, that's obviously Ben Simmons. But if a team wants a project that could project to be really good for a long time, I think, you know, they take the time and put it into training and working with Brandon Ingram.
0: Yeah, Uh, I, I think down the road he could be the best. I mean, we've seen him jump Ben Simmons in a couple mock drafts. Um still needs to put on a lot of weight. He is skin and bones. But then again, so was Kevin Durant, so was Anthony Davis. Uh if he fills but he doesn't have a big frame. So if he fills into his body and he can shoot, he can drive, he's got length. Uh I think that's uh he's a perfect candidate for that category.
1: Yeah. Well, that leaves us with, let's see. 1 2 I think 2 left. So, do you want to do the fun one or the one that I think we'll argue about?
0: Oh man, <laughs> uh, let's go fun first.
1: Okay, most likely to be a musician.
0: Some good ones here. Uh, I'm gonna go Keith Hornsby from uh, LSU. Uh, he's the son of Bruce Hornsby, who's like been featured on every with like every major musical act alive uh he's like a jazz rock musician like i don't know if i've ever if i could tell you one of his songs but he's been like with everyone it's kind of crazy um like the grateful dead and uh, eric clapton uh dave matthews sting tupac yeah he was somehow associated (laughs) with tupac too um hall and oates hall and oates and tupac the guy's got versatility and He's and his son Keith Hornsby's good basketball player. He's been banged up a little bit. Uh, LSU again may not make the tournament, but comes from a strong musical family. Clearly, so you know, uh, I'm not sure if he has any desire to be a musician at all. But based on his, his who his dad is, I'm going Keith Hornsby. I hope he can play an instrument just like one Watch of them. Watch him
1: be not musically inclined at all. Yeah, I know, right? All.
0: But sorry, you're stuck with what your dad does.
1: <laughs> that kind of sucks for me. I guess I should learn how to fix cars because that's that's what my dad does and I haven't a clue. Um, I have two choices for this one and I think it's basically a coin flip for me. It depends on the genre that you want to go into. I think Damien Lee at Louisville is actually an aspiring rapper. He wants to have a rap career after he graduates, um, what, you know, if basketball doesn't pan out or whatever. And at ACC Media Day, he actually threw down a couple bars, and it was really good and totally totally off the cuff, impromptu. Um, but then I also think, and this is sort of the topic du jour this week, Isaac Humphries at Kentucky. I mean, that man put out an Adele rendition that <laughs> sounded better than Adele's rendition.
0: He's a big <laughs> and a- he can play Australian the lunk.
1: Yeah, you don't expect him to be a good musician yeah. because he doesn't look like the person that would be a really delicate musician, but he's actually really good. That's a good so th- that's those, good. Are, those are my coin flip. It depends get, on which route you want to go.
0: Get get Isaac Humphreys back in the in the positive spotlight after uh what happened in the Kentucky, Texas AM game. So yeah, no, uh another those are all fair. All fair. I, I think yours have more talent. Uh mine has the more the li- potential, the, maybe? Uh, I don't even know. Again, <laughs> or the Keith, lineage. Yeah, the lineage. Keith Hornsby May, like, the last musical instrument he played was, like, the recorder in third grade uh, when everyone had to play the recorder. It's kind of oh, weird. That did, was the worst. Yeah, did everyone had to play the recorder. I have a
1: great anecdote about this. So there was a kid in my third grade class who was so bad at the recorder, and my teacher was such a savage that she told him he could not play the recorder. He was only allowed to hold it during the the assembly.
0: I wish my teacher had told me that. I always thought it was like a, a state or county-wide...
1: notes, okay? You just put your hands on it and moved your fingers around and hoped that you didn't sound like a moron.
0: Well, this guy clearly sounded like a moron. <laughs> I wonder what he's doing now.
1: She was... Oh, man, Mrs. Shock. She was such a savage. She told a third <laughs> grader that he could not play the recorder.
0: I had, when I played the clarinet in fourth grade, I had a teacher tell me I was awful and I should probably give up. And I did because she was right.
1: I played the French horn for six weeks until my mom decided that that was enough.
0: Yeah, some people just don't have it. Maybe, and again, maybe Keith Hornsby doesn't have it. but I, you know was gu-
1: I was good at the piano, though, I was and I was really good at viola. I was second chair viola, which is the, like, bass version of the violin. Why are you playing are all you-
0: these, like, obscure instruments? Do you play, like, the sousaphone?
1: Well, the French horn was kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, I know, but, like, the French,
0: like, you play, like, the saxophone or the trumpet or the tuba or trumpet. There's, there's, like, four brass instruments, and you, you played the fifth one. Yeah. That's well, so weird. I was
1: always different.
0: Yes, you were. So what's the one we would debate on? I want to hear this one.
1: The one we would debate on is the most reserved. Who is the most reserved player in college hoops? And I think this year there's a lot of options. I think that's why we would debate on it. There's one clear favorite in my mind, and that would be uh, Virginia's Malcolm Brogdon. He does not exist on social media, does not buy into any of the social media stuff, um, he lives in one of the dorms on Virginia's campus that is from like the 1800s, where like Thomas Jefferson lived. Yeah. He is, he is such an enigma to me. I'm fascinated by it because I don't understand, as someone who basically consumes social media like it's an IV injected into my bloodstream every day, how you can go about daily life and not pay attention to it at all. Like that's fascinating to me. And also, I ran into him in the airport in. <laughs> Indianapolis on the way to the final four last year and he was so quiet like he was just unassuming walked through the airport he had on all of his Virginia gear he's pretty tall like people probably knew he was a basketball player but nobody really knew who he was and so he just walked through uninterrupted nobody said anything to him and I thought that was fascinating to me because you know there are some people who would put on all this equipment or all these jerseys and everything and and everybody they would want to draw that attention to themselves but he was the total opposite he was just like you know what i'm just gonna go through here go to my hotel whatever totally unassuming who's your pick
0: hmm i just had one and i totally forgot who it was oh oh yes yes of course um fred van fleet no sorry ron, ron baker, baker. <laughs> yes ron baker
1: oh how not pick those as the the yeah. best couple yeah
0: yeah that's well because oh, that wichita state has been uh somewhat underwhelming um i think malcolm Brock is a great choice i watched the uh i watched that feature and he he lives in like a tiny bunk bed in this like cobblestone the man
1: is like six five
0: and he has to walk across the what do they call it the grounds the quad or yeah something. they call it the grounds oh. at, at, in uh charlottesville uh just to go to the bathroom that's what i couldn't do like, no i c- I also couldn't survive without internet, but, but Ron Baker, I think who knows, like he could be, this is very much like the Keith Hornsby where we don't really know, but he, I don't think I've ever seen him smile or make like a real expression.
1: He was at, what did I go to two years ago? The Chris Paul camp, uh, the playing Guard camp. He was there and I didn't really, at the time, I didn't really know who he was because he kind of wasn't a big deal back then. It was all about Fred Van Bleet. And so... He was just, you know, he was just like a regular guy. He didn't he didn't do too much, but he was good, but he wasn't great. So it was sort of just this weird – same thing with Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, he's consistent and he's good. He's not flashy or great, but he's not a player that you would want to leave off your team either.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think there are a, a few players um, like that. I even think you could put Marcus Page in there. He's – for being a like two-time preseason All-American first-teamer – relatively unassuming guy, um, you know, and on a team with guys who are certainly more demonstrative than him, Bryce Johnson. Yeah, I was kind just going to say Bryce Johnson. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe they, they kind of balance it out. Um, yeah, I, I like Malcolm Brogdon just because, like, he's a he's a really nice guy, but he's just like,
1: like – do you know anything about him I outside of basketball? I
0: don't. And, like, it's also funny. That was the first time I ever heard him speak. Like, I had never – he's rarely on TV or, or you know uh, – YouTube clips or anything so yeah gosh that's a good one and again it's like even a struggle to find guys because we just don't know as many we're not face to face with as many people this year like one-on-one where we get to know them maybe because they're they have such great prospects for next year a lot of these guys are seniors so it's like hey they're big this year but over the last three years we really haven't gotten to know them at all because the last three years have been dominated by freshmen right and and some some select sophomores so it's just like a lot of these guys are unassuming, really.
1: Yeah, that, that's the crazy thing about this year. But none
0: of them live in a cobblestone hut and, you know, I don't use think a it's typewriter. A hut. No, it, it's it's like a <laughs> longhouse.
1: He has a fireplace in his dorm room. Can I just say how jealous I am? That
0: is Yes, but no, the, here's the thing. is like you'd be jealous if that wasn't your primary means of heat. That is his primary means of heat. And like it does get cold in the winter in w- Central West Virginia. West Central not a Virginia. Clue. Yeah, it's Charlottesville. <laughs> it's like 2 hours southwest of DC. It gets cold there. And like that's all he got is fireplace.
1: Well, I mean it worked up until like the early 1900s, so I'm pretty sure it's okay now. No, it didn't.
0: Did you know that George Washington died of a cold?
1: A cold or the cold? Those are two different things.
0: Yes. <laughs> sure. Why not? <laughs>
1: Well, we've all the way wrapped around to debating about presidents. So here's to you in 2035, Grayson Allen. Thanks (laughs) for joining us on this week's edition of Sporting News Kangaroo Court College Hoops Podcast. Um, You can subscribe and like and rate us on iTunes. And also we're available on Stitcher and in SoundCloud. So do all of those things, please, so we can keep doing this. And we will see you again next week.